Hello. This is required viewing. Let's do the damn thing. I was going to say, let's, what do you want to, what witchy thing? Oh, oh, oh. Well, no, I was going to save it till the end to talk yeah, about that one. Oh, there oh, 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 what? No, I'm going to save that till the end because I'm going to give some movie recommendations, but I'm going to oh, save that yeah. one. Oh, but I oh, will start oh, because this is not witch, one of my. Witch, witch, oh. This is slightly topical to today. We're not going to get in. We haven't announced what today is yet. Well, we haven't announced anything. anything. We haven't even announced what we are, who we are, what we're doing. Why are we here? I know. We're going to do all that in a moment. But I want to talk about Hocus Pocus 2. Oh, topical, topical, topical. It was not that bad. I think the internet needs to pull it, the I still stick out it of its proverbial I still ass. Watch it. Well, everyone's going to have a fucking problem with it. Because it's not... I'll tell you what it is. It's not 1990-whatever. Exactly. That's literally <laughs> what I said to my mother. I, she said, how was it? And I said, it's been 30 years. Let's just start off with that. It's been 30 fucking years. And go from there. Their faces are different. Their bodies are different. The makeup's going to sit different on their skin. There were specific choices made because Disney Plus knows a formula that makes money. And if you go in thinking it's not about Disney all Plus, dude, it's Disney. In Disney general, knows yeah. the money-making formula. There's more songs. Certain people get uh, more dialogue. Mm -hmm. And right. all of that makes sense. That's all things that financially make sense. So if you go in knowing that and thinking about that, I think that you will have an enjoyable time. But if you go in with a, I need something exactly like the original. Don't expect this to be the 90s. Yeah, it's not. We love the 90s, too. We want the 90s back more than anyone. <laughs> But that's how time goes. It passes. It's literally 29 years almost to the month of when the movie came out. The original movie came out. It's a fun movie. I really it enjoyed it. It my stomach. It gives me a rumbly tumbling, a toil and a boil in my stomach. I know. It really sucks. It does. Getting like it. old. <laughs> well, these that? bitches ain't getting old. <laughs> Welcome back to the Required Viewing Podcast. Welcome. I'm Aaron. I'm Chloe. And we have finally made it to spooky season. Nah, bitch. This is the first episode, top of the hour of Merry Movie Miss. That, also that. I we was going to say that too. explain what the Movie Miss is. If you haven't been listening to the podcast, just listen. We're not going to shame you. Very good point. You. We should probably explain what the fuck we're doing. So, Merry Movie Miss. I personally believe that corporations have ruined individual holidays at the end of the year. Ooh, we're starting so heavy. <laughs> it, uh, it should all be one thing. So when we were discussing how the format of the show should look towards the end of the year and we wanted to do holiday movies, my immediate thought was we're just going to lump them in because I used to celebrate Xmas or Hexmas. You called it Hexmas. I called it. Was it a specifically Hexmas. I called it Hexmas. Which is apt to today's episode. Yeah, I called it Hexmas. And Hexmas is where you just start, throw up all the decorations. Put skeletons and turkeys and pumpkins and Christmas trees See, together. I like, a, I like a nice gradient. A nice 
fade from one end to the other. You know what I mean? Where you trickle them in so but that you it was could, always well, there. Well, I mean, you could do that. You could start I could just with, put it up once and just leave it you could, there. I get that. Yeah, you could put pumpkins and spooky stuff and then add turkeys to the mix and then add reindeer. You could just keep adding things over the months. You don't have to subtract things. We just keep it all going. <laughs> just keep I literally adding. wanted to go look at stuff for Halloween. We are recording this a few days into October, and everyone at Target was putting up Christmas things. It that's way too. Soon. I was really upset that they were totally out of. Well, Halloween honestly, stuff. dude, that was the inspiration for Merry Movie Miss was the fact that we wanted to give ample time and appropriate. What do you call it? Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so we're coming in hot, hot with spooky. Spooky <sighs> season. Hot with spooky season. I like it. I like coming in hot with spooky season. Um, uh, we are going to have a brief note every year on Thanksgiving, much like the corporations do. We call it's, it tea gives around here. Yeah, you know? it's just a little moment for Thanksgiving. But we want to give it its appropriate moment is the other thing. Because I feel like, as we were speaking of, they blow through everything. And they don't, you don't even see a turkey. You see pumpkins in, like, July, right next to the American flags. And then you sneeze, and there's Christmas trees. Yep. Basically, yep. So, yeah. That's 100% how give, that works. He gives, or Thanksgiving, its appropriate heyday. And then we will move right on into the Christmas contenders. Christmas contenders are all of the holiday th- goodies that we've broken it we've broken it down and we'll get we'll go into further yeah but that's Christmas, what it is but we that's bring, what you've got to look this. forward to over the next weeks and coming months oh wait sorry it's four it's a four parter <coughs> it's spooky season which this spooky season we're doing history of halloween tea gives thanksgiving christmas contenders followed by happy baby new year happy baby new year we're going to watch both Look Who's Talking movies yes. <laughs> because talking babies equals Happy New Year. Exactly. <laughs> that makes so, total sense to me. Merry movie, Miss Viewers. We're going to get into it. So, uh, Ms. Malin, will you please induct us into spooky season? So this is going to be my best attempt at giving us a generalized history of the holidays and highlighting it with some of the best film examples. Mm-hmm. So over the next few weeks... We are going to examine witches, ghosts, zombies, vampires, and the devil himself. Himself? himself. What about herself? Traditionally depicted as a dude. These are the questions I will have. I get, write them down. Write them down. education, and I have questions. So, this week, however. Ooh, what's this week? Light some candles. Okay. Turn out the lights. We lit some candles, and we did turn get out the lights. Get y'all girls. Let's play stiff as a feather. Or sorry, <laughs> stiff as a feather. <laughs> Light as a Ooh, motherfucker. I like this. Pretty like, stiff as a feather. I was right there with stiff. you, but that like, like that was so funny. That was so funny. Oh my God. Thank you for that. That was great. Uh, let's try that again. That was really stiff cool. That was really cool until I like, fucked it up. Light as a feather. Stiff as a board. Mm. We're doing witches this week. Woo, witches. I'm sometimes these bitches are sexy, sometimes these bitches are scary, but they're always a good time. Ooh, witchy woman. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're kicking things off this week with George A. Romero's kind of underground awesome hit. Dude, it was underground to you. You didn't even know that George A. Romero directed this Oh, one. no, no, no. I'd seen this movie before, but just because I have seen a movie doesn't mean I paid attention to the directors and shit. No, that's true. No, you and said, I you, definitely he, you told definitely you the told last time it. I saw this movie, I was drunk. That's so true. You told me that he wrote it, and then it was like, oh, surprise, he also directed I it. I knew that he wrote it, but I forgot he also directed it. I was drunk. And you said his wife, Nancy A. Romero, right? Nancy? I think so. We'll get into that later. She produced it. Yeah. So, Season of the Witch by George Romero. And mm-hmm. then next up, we've got 80s epic Witches of Eastwick. Ooh. Finishing up with a hardcore childhood favorite of mine and ours. yours. It's ours. We yeah, planned, definitely. We, oh, would you Man, honestly, we should have been friends. Like we planned this episode around the craft. <laughs> we actually did pre- plan this episode around the craft. Well, I we, really wish we were friends when we were kids because we liked a lot of the same shit. Dude, if we airheads the craft, you and I would have had a great time. Definitely. definitely. Chuckling, boging our t-shirts, Um, I do also want to state here at the top that, for once, I have some other reference material besides Wikipedia and TCM. (gasps) I read some books. I did some reading. Used my brain. You went old school with it. You went real witchy with it, and you cracked open some books. I fucking got some books. (laughs) I know that children don't read books anymore, but I still do. Aaron read books for days. I did. I read, like, three fucking books in, like, two days. (laughs) So, uh... The books we are using for the next few episodes are mostly going to be information from Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween by Lisa Morton, and the book Old Halloween, The Origin and History of Halloween by Ruth Edna Kelly. Now, both of, I'm glad that I purchased both of these books because they essentially have the same information, but the tone is totally different. The second book was written in 1919, and the first book was came out in 2019 so i don't know it was just 100 years apart it was interesting to read a book about the same subject uh from two different authors who wrote them 100 years apart well i like the modern updates that we yes yes (laughs) i will say that trick or treat was a much thorough book because it did get to get through the 50s 60s 70s and 80s which is where we saw a lot of change to the the holiday of Halloween, and we'll get to that eventually. But in the spirit of required viewing, we will get. We to will it. get to it. We're gonna, <laughs> but you're gonna have to wait for this one. We're gonna have to wait a couple of weeks for that answer. <laughs> but this is a, today. This is your anthology. This is yeah. Your, no, this is yeah. this is gonna be a long. Uh, well, those slow burns that we always talk about. This is gonna be a slow burn. So get ready. Slow burn edutainment. Witches. 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 The concept of witchcraft. Ooh, and I'm the excited. Be- <laughs> Strap in! The belief of, and the belief of its existence have per- persisted throughout recorded history. It's been found at various times and in many forms among different cultures worldwide and continues to have an important role in some cultures today. Most societies believe in and feared and ability by some individuals to cause supernatural harm and misfortune to others. This may come in the form of mankind's tendency to, quote, a want to assign occurrences of remarkable good or bad luck to agency 
either human or superhuman, end quote. Witchcraft is seen by historians and anthropologists as one ideology, one ideology for explaining misfortune, which has manifested in diverse ways. Some cultures have feared witchcraft much less than others because they instead believed that strange misfortune was usually caused by gods, spirits, demons, or fairies, or by other humans who have unwittingly cast the quote-unquote evil eye. What we traditionally think of as witchcraft spurred from Druid and Celtic practices in the British Isles during pre-Christian colonization. During the 20th century, interest in witchcraft in the English-speaking European countries began to increase, inspired particularly by Margaret Murray's theory of pan-European witch cult, originally published in 1921. Since discredited by further careful historical research, interest has intensified, however, by Gerald Gardner's claim in 1954 in Witchcraft Today that a former form of witchcraft still existed in England. The truth of Gardner's claim is now disputed as well. Sidebar, Gerald Gardner in If You... Uh, I'll say it now. So I personally practice the craft. We're not going to go too deep into it because it's none of your fucking business. But well, much like everyone's religion, it's their own personal. It's none of your business. And I'm not going to go deep into it. But because I have read a lot of book book, I read lots of books. I like that book is the plural of books. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I've read a lot of books and I know all about a lot of the theology and history of Wicca and witchcraft. Gerald Gardner is hailed as one of those like top magicians in the history and development of modern day neo-paganism and Wicca and witchcraft. Wicca is different than witchcraft. They are not mutually exclusive. There was a lot of confusion. People always think Correct. Wiccan and wit. If you're Wiccan, you you're do a witch. have to be a witch to be a Wiccan. Okay. To you some don't degree, have to be but you Wiccan don't to have be to be a Wiccan to be a witch. Okay. The Wicca that Gardner initially taught was a witchcraft religion, having a lot in common with Margaret Murray's hypothetically posited cult of the 1920s. Indeed, Murray wrote an introduction to Gardner's witchcraft today, in effect putting her stamp and approval on it. These Wiccan witches do not adhere to the more common definition of witchcraft, generally define their practices as a type of quote-unquote positive magic. Various forms of Wicca are now practiced as a religion of and sort of initiation secret society nature, with positive ethical principles organized into uh, autonomous covens led by high priesthoods. They do have priests and priestess. There's also a large, quote-unquote, eclectic Wiccan movement of individuals and groups who share key beliefs with Wicca but have no initiation or connection or affiliation with a traditional Wiccan coven. Wicca writings and rituals show borrowings from a number of sources, including 19th and 20th century ceremonial magic. The medieval grimoire, known as the Key of Solomon, Aleister Crowley's Ordo Tempi Orientis. Now, Aleister Crowley should be a name that 
is recognizable to a lot of people. Not only is there the Black Sabbath song, but Aleister Crowley right up there with Gardner is touted as a high priest and a well-known magician in witchcraft. Okay. And there are tons of books on him. He's a giant asshole. Mm -hmm. If you want to go down a fun little rabbit hole on the internet, you can also uh, go research how Aleister Crowley and witchcraft influence Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard because they used to do black magic together. Fun story. Go look Hmm. it up. (laughs) Yeah, we're not going to get into L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, no, 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 no. But there is a connection. There is a connection? It's a weird connection. It is a weird connection. uh, Unexpected. Now, that is basically concept theory of witches in a nutshell with a few names spiced in. That is the basic of the basic of what witches are, kind of. Okay. Spicy ladies who do supernatural things, in a sense. Spicy ladies who do supernatural things. But this is a good base. You yes, know? I want like you to save those to ask them. Recipe, every potion. Definitely. You need a good base, and you sprinkle in the good bits. Yeah. Fun bits and wild bits. And then I know that you have more witchcraft questions, so we For will sure. get to those. Through the movies, because I feel like these movies That's, inspired yeah. those questions, yes. so I would like to honor that. Accurate. So let's start with Season of the Witch. Season of the Witch. So I didn't put this together when we were watching it, but the lead character's name is Joan Mitchell, and they call her Joni the whole time. So her name is Joni Mitchell. I was thinking about that, but I think it wasn't. It didn't hit me because there was so much weird shit going there on. There was a lot going on. That was the least of my concerns it was in a this la- movie. It was a, it was a post-process Absolutely. thing. But so that's funny that I didn't connect. Yeah, Joni, Joni Mitchell. Mitchell. Joni Mitchell's going through some shit. Joni Mitchell is going through some shit. I mean, the real Joni Mitchell seems like she's having fun. She, the real pools. Joni Mitchell is also going through some shit. Currently, but or like in life? No, <coughs> currently. Oh, we'll get into that. You I and I will talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I want to know. I, what, we don't have time for that. Joni Mitchell. Yeah, we don't have time for that. <laughs> we'll talk about that off mic. Joni Mitchell, so, Stevie Nicks. Protect these ladies. Joan Mitchell is a 39-year-old housewife of businessman Jack. He's <laughs> always named Jack. Of course. They I live- Jack's in this episode. Oh, definitely. They live in suburban Pittsburgh with their 19-year-old daughter, Nikki, a college student. Oh, she's 19. She's okay, 19. We were wondering what her deal was. Joan is attractive but unhappy and discontent with her housewife role. Jack is successful- but busy, domineering, and occasionally violent, embarking on... Okay, again, sidebar. First sidebar. <laughs> Not a visual medium, but no one can see the hand on hip that snapped in action. Because <laughs> he just hits her a lot. And every time he hits her, I was like, I would kick him in the nuts. That is verbatim. Go fuck dude. yourself. That is verbatim. There's Bitch, no... you hit me in the face with a paper. You know what I'm going to do with that paper? You're not going to see that paper again. You're going to have to go to the ER to have that paper removed from your body. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make paper mache out of your insides, dude. Yeah, motherfucker. You are going to be the paper mache. Touch me okay. again. Obviously, we've been watching Airheads because we watched that very violent oh Steve Buscemi scene, so yeah. we are feeling a little amped right now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, dude, paper mache out of your butt. So... He also goes away a lot. He's always away on business. You can't hit someone and be away all the time. Anyway, we'll get into it. Yeah. Joan <laughs> has been seeing a psychotherapist because of her recurring dreams about her husband controlling her. Duh. She's in a That's not a dream, bitch. That's real life. Yeah. <laughs> he makes repeated references to needing to, quote, kick some college, blah, kick some ass. 
He does say that a lot. Yep. A lot. You got to kick some ass, Joni. Yeah. A colleagues, his own child, his wife's, everybody. Eventually, he strikes Joan in the face, like I mentioned a moment ago. He hits her <laughs> in the, the face. And, the <laughs> and I wouldn't have fucking, yeah, I wouldn't have held oh, on for God, that. Oh, God, no. Mm, nope. Mm, no. She's not you. That's why she's got to go through the season of the witch. I know. She does. <laughs> Joan and her friends learn about a new woman in the neighborhood named Marion Hamilton, who was rumored, rumored to practice witchcraft. Promptly, by curiosity, Joan and one of her friends, Shirley, drive over to Marion's house one night for a tarot reading. It turns out that Marion is a leader of a local Marion is the leader of a local secret witch's coven. Joan and Shirley drive home to Joan's house where they meet Greg with two G's. <laughs> oh. A student teacher at Nikki's college with whom Nikki has been having very casual sex with. At her fucking parents' house. Yep. The four drink and talk and are having a good time. Greg is showing interest in Joan, who rebuffs him. Barf, dude. I know. It's really nasty. In front of the daughter. You and I were very upset. Yeah. This this whole scene is upsetting. Not Joan throws Greg out of her house after they cruelly play tricks on Shirley and get her to believe that she's smoking pot, even though she's not. Oh, I thought she was. No, it was just a cigarette. They tore off the tip and they twisted it so it looked like weed. Uh, and then she did that, oh my God, I'm smoking weed. No, I'm sorry, girl. No. You're just drunk. Yeah. <laughs> After taking Shirley home, Joan returns to her house where she's welcomed by hearing Nikki and Greg fucking. Uh, Turned on, she quietly, quietly goes to her bedroom to masturbate. Until Nikki walks in on her. Very low key. Like that didn't, it's not what it looked like. Well, because she's, glad that, they, she's that you can verify that that's what was going on. Yeah, she's touching herself, but well, like it was all clothes like, are on. 1960s, 1970s, like oh, head turning and camera angles. It was mostly zooms. moaning. Yeah, but it's, it's a lot of moaning that's and what rubbing. I thought was happening was yeah. that she was doing that. The next day, a furious Nikki leaves without telling anybody where she's going. And soon after, Jack leaves for yet another week-long business trip. A with, week, damn. I know. With Joan feeling more lonely than ever, Joan buys a book about witchcraft. She conjures a spell to make Greg attracted to it. He was already attracted to her, sidebar. Obvious. You did not need a spell for that. Anyway, back to the movie. I don't want to go on a tangent about that. <laughs> we will but talk I think about it. I, in the why we should give a shit, I will talk about how bad of a witch this girl is. She's terrible. <laughs> Awful. This is and why we're soon, learning. This is why we're learning about witches so we can understand the practice more, right? Soon they do start fucking though. Because oh, yeah, all I'm she sorry. did, the moment in the movie, I was like, it isn't magic. She fucking called him. She called his ass. She was like, Greg's gonna the spell was something along the lines of like no, Greg's going to call I me wrote tonight. It, so I wrote oh, it you down. wrote it down. Nice. I wrote it down, but I'll get you. that was So give me the quote. Was the, the thing quote? that you said while we were watching it <laughs> that literally made me laugh and I think this might have been the first yes, this is literally the first note I made for the whole episode was she was like I've made things happen and you're like girl, ain't nothing magic magic about the phone. <laughs> she fucking used the there phone. Ain't nothing magic about she lit some the candles, phone. made some chants, lit some and candles called this motherfucker. And made a booty call. Yeah, is what she, she did. Called it. She made a booty call. She was girl, like, Greg, it's come the over. Trick in the book. Greg, 
I know you were over here. I know you know how to fuck. She called him and said, are you thinking about me? But his answer was probably no, but I am now. Like, you called me, so now I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about you. The dick's hard. Let's because go. you called me. Your voice is literally in my ear and in my head. So fucking funny. But, yes. It's like, yeah, no. Oh, oof. But that made me laugh so fucking hard. And you were like, ain't nothing magic about the phone. You <laughs> called him. This is a booty call. This is what <laughs> I might be a witch, but I am also practical, and I believe in science. It can yeah. those things can live together in harmony. Also, she had his phone number. She had his phone number. She called him. It's not no magic in that. You she called was always him. like, I don't want this. And he's like, You know what you're doing. She's like, No, I don't. So Joan starts having increasingly terrifying nightmares, and they are fucking weird. They're scary. She's being attacked by an intruder with a satanic mask. They it it every dream gets more and more intense. As she explores witchcraft further, practicing rituals and researching spells, Joan's world continues to change. The police tell Joan that they found Nikki in Buffalo, New York, and that she will be coming home in four days. Oh, my God. I know it was four days. I know we watched the movie, but I heard in, like, four bags. <laughs> like, she'll be coming home in a body bag. That could, well, that was their fear. Yeah. After one last sexual encounter with Greg, Joan tells him that she doesn't want to see him again. After another terrifying nightmare involving the masked intruder, Joan shoots and kills her husband, who has unexpectedly returned home a day early from his trip. Whether this event is accidental or intentional, it's not revealed. Joan is initiated into Marion's coven in an elaborate and very campy fucking ritual. The language used by the women makes reference to treasuring each coven member as part of a sisterhood. Blah, blah, blah. They're all naked. Cleared of her husband's death, which was ruled an accident because they they scared housewife. Intruder made sense. Joan attends a party with her friends, looking sexy. I was like, looking the best she's yeah. ever looked. This bitch is snatched, prompted by a compliment on her fucking beautiful, youthful appearance. She quietly reveals that she's a witch. I really just wanted to be like, I killed my husband. <laughs> that honestly, <laughs> that did more for her than the witchcraft. <laughs> she smiles wirely, and when people around her refer to her as Mrs. Mitchell, or simply Jack's wife. Ew. Now. Why, why should we give a shit? Why should we give a shit? <laughs> I have to start, because of the way that ended, I wanted to tell you what this was. A, this movie was originally had a different title. Oh my God, give it to me. <laughs> it was Jack's wife. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! <laughs> there was... Jack, it, Are you serious? Was the title really Jack's wife? Uh, Yeah, but then there was another... <laughs> Uh, title Hungry Wives. It was also released as Hungry Wives, Jack's Wife, and then eventually Season of the Witch. Jack's Wife. Season Jack's Wife. The, it should have been called Jack's Wife, colon, Season of the Witch. So, Romero, <laughs> really having... Jack's Wife, that's so fucking Yeah, funny. for sure. Yeah. I guess that ending makes more sense than if they're like, Jack's Wife, and she's like, yeah, motherfucking Jack's oh. Wife. Cut you, fuck Jack. She was like, "Yeah, where's Jack now, I motherfucker?" I be like, "You know, the t- you know what? Let me show you the la- what happened. To the last dude who called me Jack's wife. It was Jack. <laughs> it was Jack, and his ass got shot through a door. So, but real talk though, he was like, did it? Okay, can we really quick while we're talking about Jack doing covering yeah. him doing stupid things? He 
came home and did not tell her. He knew that I she called. had night terrors. I would have called. I would have called. He knew that she had Call night her. terrors, which are very real. I told you that my mom told me that when I was a kid, I had night terrors. People wake up thinking that the worst things are happening to them. So he knows, but of course we know he doesn't pay attention. He has uh, zero he's never there. empathy for his wife. But he, he does not give call a her. fuck. She, he knows that she's home alone. She's got that shitty daughter who ran away. He knew that she ran away when he left for a week. He didn't Remember, care that his daughter was gone, he was and like, he didn't care about her he was, mental health either. Dude, he was like, I could work some more, which is obviously his coping mechanism, but the guy was like, why don't you spend time with your wife? Your guys' kid's fucking missing and supposed to be coming back. He's like, oh, I guess I could do that. Yeah, he was a terrible Rude. person. But, yeah, no, he didn't tell her that he was coming home, so, of course, like, that to me seems like it's definitely, like, she's just seemed like she was always preparing for somebody to break in, and I guess it was, like, a very self-fulfilling prophecy. Which is another reason why she's like, I make things happen. It was like, um. Well, that's the whole thing. That's the whole <laughs> subtext to her dreams is that Jack is the man in the mask. Mm-hmm. And that she's always trying to find this, fight this man in a mask. Mm-hmm. He's always coming after her. And eventually she injures the man in the mask. And then in real life, she injures her husband. Mm-hmm. But, uh. To she talk, doesn't injure her husband. She fucking she kills, kills his ass. She, she fucking ganks his ass. <laughs> this was not meant to be a horror movie. According to George Romero. I mean, to women, it's a horror movie because it's a very real fear we all have. This was supposed to be a movie about women's empowerment with the occult and witchcraft in the periphery. Now, over time, it's definitely... I don't think that the witchcraft is in the periphery. No, it's It's very very much in the fucking forefront. They talk about it all the time. It's also called Season of the Witch. It's not called Jess. Well, Season of the Witch was a title that they gave it after it had been released twice and didn't make any money. People used to do uh, that all the time. Re-release movies under new the, titles under to new try titles. to get people to come out and see them. Well, did you the hear season about the of the sequel? Witch was the the winner. Did you hear about the sequel? Jack and the Boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. So, yeah, this is, this is our so first. They re- so when was the original release date and when was the re-release date? Or did they just, like, release it a month later? No, yeah, they just keep trying new titles to the 70s were different, man. That's really funny. The they 70s were different. <laughs> Nowadays, I feel like if it does it, it's like it's canceled. It's over. It's yeah, canned. Even it's if done. it costs millions of dollars, you can it. Back then, they're like, why don't we just keep giving we it didn't even, We didn't even get to see fucking Batgirl. They canned that shit before it came out, and that thing cost millions of dollars. <laughs> this one, though. We don't get to see that. Changes. Bat yeah, all, woman, bat yeah. lady. They didn't even give it a shot. They just put it in the can. Uh, this is our first example of women using witchcraft as an empowerment tool. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, so in this movies, is the first example. No, no, oh. I mean like today in our okay. episode. Yeah, it is the first example. Okay, and through the undertone, much this you, dear viewer, you are dear going, viewer. you are going to discover that there is going to be an undercurrent. To every one of these episodes, the subtext in horror movies are pretty clear. As the we... horror is really in your mind, yeah, bitch. basically. <laughs> uh, most witch movies are about female empowerment and reclaiming womanhood and becoming in touch with your sensuality under the guise of, you know, like candles and incense and knives and so shit. getting in touch with your sensu- sensuality through your. Through your senses and your nose. Your nose is your sexual your sexual current to the underworld. <laughs> what? I have no idea. Uh, 
that. You said so you were like yeah, candles, candles and, and incense, and I was like and so. incense and knives was the oh. last thing I said. You kept talking. You missed the knives. Well, I'm now I'm thinking about Roman Polanski, little tiny Roman Polanski going up and cutting Jack Nicholson's nose with a knife. I know that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, so this movie was insane, and I loved it. I thought about so many other movies. So about said, witchcraft to yeah. start this episode, but I just thought that this one would be. Uh, I like cult movies as well. If you hadn't gathered, and all of these <laughs> movies are basically cult hits. These are cult movies. All three movies today are cult movies. Yeah, cult meaning they weren't popular when they came out, but they developed a following over a long period of time. So, that's yeah. That's our bread and butter. Though. I know. Those, that's like that's our the jam. Shit that I that's love. why it's required fucking viewing. Sorry. With, I added the fucking, but, uh, <laughs> well, the witch is out of the fucking. We're going to be honest. Sidebar. It's 630. Okay. So we got to high Um. It. So something I thought was interesting. Can I, can we go to the, can we go to the Chloe's question corner? Yes. Please. Do you like that? Please, please, please. Chloe's please, question please, corner. Please. Okay. So something that I found interesting in this movie, I really liked this movie. I thought it was good. It's confusing. It's I upsetting. hope you like all the movies I chose oh. for our horror episodes. I do. Because I worked so far, really, really, so I worked really, really hard on you it. You catered them to me I really and did. I appreciate I really that. did. That's what I look for in movies. Things that are catered to me. <laughs> so something that she said and something that was a reoccurring thing, a theme I felt through all the movies was that fear is necessary to believing. That was what the like head witch lady said. She was like, fear is necessary to believing. It's like what opens your mind up and gives you. So fear being the emotion that's a conduit to opening yourself up. I wanted to ask you. That was my first kind of. I don't believe in that. Oh. Hot take. I don't know if a lot of real uh, practicing. It doesn't have to be a a thing about fear. No. In fact, if you are a lot of schools of thought are if you are afraid this now opens you up to um spirits fairies whatever you Mm. believe in uh to take over your soul fear is a way to drop your defenses so you're no longer controlled yeah that's what i've always been taught but i do i do see where she's coming from through fear you can develop a passion, like you're like I'm afraid. I want to. You're either gonna fight it or you're gonna you fight to do something yeah. when you're f- afraid. So essentially, it's I trying see. to get you to fight versus fight or flight, r- run away. But well, but I remember don't particularly... there is a third. There is a third response: fight, flight, and freeze. Yeah, but the flight or the freeze is not. Not the intent, option. yeah, yeah. If they want you to follow through with these rituals, there's three, but you really need to focus on, on the, the one. one. Yeah, it's the fighting. They want you to fight for the knowledge. And do they fight. want you to fight for your right to witchcraft? Definitely, nice. A hundred percent. Can we rewrite that Beastie Boys song? Yes, we'll be the Beastie Bitches, and we're gonna write "Fight for Your Right to Witchcraft." Do you have any other I questions? Do. Uh. Something that we mentioned, the ritual aspect, the kissing of the body. You and I were like, she definitely kissed her hoo-ha. Definitely kissed that woman's pussy. That's 100%. Do you have like, to get your, what about all of the I congenital? Don't. I mean, I get that this was probably when the ritual was invented. Nobody was thinking about v- STIs and STDs. Here's what's up. 
The basics, the basics. Can you basics. do like a European like cheek kiss of the vagina? Can you just like, mwah? You don't <laughs> have to be naked. Okay, cool. Yeah, they're always like, you have to be naked. No, no. They're, uh, if you're if doing sex magic, if you're doing blood magic, if you're doing very specific magic that requires you to be naked, but most of the time, I'm not naked. So you don't, oh, okay, so we're breaking myths. You don't have to be naked. One hundred percent. Honestly, what I was gonna what I was gonna say a moment ago before we got onto the nudity. Um, naked. A a a ritual. uh, Some people might come after me for saying this, but I feel like a ritual in its most basic form. You write your intention on something, whether it be a piece of paper or a bay leaf or parchment to sand you write your intent whatever Mm -hmm. your intent Mm -hmm. for that particular ritual is on that thing Uh, let's just say paper for the moment on a natural piece of fiber um honestly bay leaves are used a lot um so write your intent down and then set it on fire and then that's it no trace (laughs) that's it you can make it a lot more complicated than that but you can also make it just that simple. Gotcha. And you do not have Please. to be naked. Don't got to be naked. You don't have to kiss anybody's hoo ha. Gotcha. So, yes. The other thing concept was ma- women making things happen. That's another. And part of that empowerment is just like all these women are shocked that they're capable of anything, let alone something supernatural. So I well, feel that's like that reclaiming of power, dude. It, catch, it captures these women, I feel like, at their lowest, which is an aspect of religion, right? You have to be at your lowest, your most vulnerable, possibly your most, I know, possibly your most afraid, and then you're able to embody all of this. But some, the last thing for this is I wanted to ask, you said candles, incense, and knives. That was just shit. That was just like oh, the first well, three things just... that... Candles, Which is chill. But I guess if I was gonna say, if you had to be like, do you want you me to, to give, r- like, list some other things that are not used necessarily in list, but rituals? just so we defined witches as spicy ladies who do supernatural things. I'm coming up. With it. Okay, but I'm that was like dictionary for up that was that was the in historical context, not in ah, actual gotcha. actual like practice in today's society those are two different okay i got concepts. your historical context. you know what i mean i'm thinking it'd be really funny to come up with a like a little R- rvp dictionary but so candles if you were to briefly describe what's the significance of candles they represent fire the element fire mm-hmm. uh a, a lot of witchcraft is invoking nature and different symbols of nature so fire water earth and air so candles represent fire, incense represent air. Okay. A knife repre- is normally a tool that you use to conduct a ritual. Okay. Um, either writing things on candles or writing it like in runes. Yes. Or or you could write a whole fucking spell out on a candle if you wanted, if you got a big enough candle. I don't oh my know. God, I'm just thinking of like a witch speaking spell. So, in conclusion for Season of the Witch, our little our little question corner, fear is not necessary, but you do have to fight for your right to witchcraft. 100%. Uh, don't have to be naked. Definitely don't, don't be have naked. to be naked. 
Uh, you write your intent on a natural fiber, mostly bay leaves, and you burn that shit. Or paper, like, whatever you natural got. Fiber. You don't natural have to. fiber. There's this whole thing, a sidebar, there's this whole thing on fucking TikTok about all these things you have to, there's like this whole aesthetic. You don't, don't listen to the internet. That's the whole thing. When I said that this is something that I do and it's none of anyone's fucking business, that's because I'm what's called a solo practitioner. I don't involve anybody in my business. I read on my own. I do my things on my own. Covens are a thing. And covens are, traditionally are 13 people, but can be as small as three. And then you could have, um, what is it? Something couples. Oh, I can't. Creative couple? I don't know. There's a there's a word for when when there's just two witches. Um, but a I don't, pair. I don't really want to deal with any of that. A it's waggle a, of witches. And you don't have to adhere to anyone's aesthetic. Like it's you can, whatever it's works whatever for works for you in well, your it's life. A, it's a feeling too, right? It's whatever you feel called to. Is that's also what I was gathering from these movies? Like if you feel a yeah. calling towards something. Because wasn't that the idea too? Was oh, in this movie, it was *Season of the Witch*, yeah. where she went and got all of her tools from the same place. And yeah, the dude and was I said like, that was a really, a, a really bad idea. You don't want to ever, unless Call like yourself out like that. Say I went down to Herbs and Arts on Colfax in Denver. Everybody in there is witches. They mm. know that most of the people coming in there are fucking witches. So you can go in there and be very open and honest about what you're buying. You can buy in bulk. Like, they fucking know. They know who their clientele are. But back in the day, back in the fucking 70s, I would never. If I was in certain parts of America today, I would never. And she was real ever, cocky about ever it buy everything really all at once. Anything about not only it. do you want to not buy everything all at once because you don't want people to find out. Because it's a very secretive thing still. But you also uh, want certain things to call to you. Yeah. Certain things to, you know, kind of pop out. Certain items should pop out at you. So, yeah. Anyway. Cool. <laughs> Witchy tangent. It's not really a tangent because this is the episode of Witches, so it makes sense. But I like to give a recap on the education. Of Are you ready to go on to this next fucking movie? Um, totally. Okay. <laughs> because I we fucking, have some things to say. I fucking love this we've movie. We've got an agenda. Fucking love this movie. Witches of Eastwick. Bitches of Eastwick. Also that. <laughs> Sculptor Alexandria Alex Medford, played by Cher. Cher. Music teacher and cellist Jane Spotford, played by Susan Sarandon. And columnist Sookie Ridgemont, played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Sookie. Are three, I know, I think about that too. <laughs> are three single friends maneuvering their lives in a pit picturesque town of Eastwick, Rhode Island, with various difficulties. Alex, mother of one, struggles to find artistic inspiration as well as consumers for her artworks. Jane suffers from both frustration for her performance issues as well as her sexual harassment from the lewd principal of her school, Walter Neff. And Sookie juggles her job and her six fucking children. This bitch keeps popping out babies. <laughs> the three meet weekly to drink and chat in one particular stormy Thursday night, lamenting about their bad fortune and romance. Alex's husband's dead. Jane's recently divorced uh, because she can't have kids and her husband was a dickhole. Mm -hmm. 
Suki was left because she had too many children. The opposite problem. The women, however, are witches with supernatural powers previously manifested by a storm at their collective boredom at a children's event. Unbeknownst to them, they seemingly have a discussion over ideal qualities of a man and sort of like conjure somebody. (laughs) 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 They conjure their perfect man. Inadvertently, at least, they common uh, conjure their summon this stranger to Eastwick that very night. The stranger purchases and moves into a mansion, the Lennox Mansion, at the edge of town. It's a landmark property with a huge giant. Oh, well, he's also huge a and giant. A huge giant. What in? Schwarzfinger. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Brick Foundation. That too. I was going to say manor, but they he also has a, a sprawling huge, manor. giant, mild-mannered servant named Fidel. Fidel is very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, he is played by Corral Stricken, who plays Lurch in the original Adams Family. I was like, why do he you was, so familiar? He uh, was one of the gypsies in Dr. Sleep. I am so uh, amazed that dude is still alive for having giantism. Right on, dude. Right yeah. on. His arrival draws strong curiosity from Eastwick's public about everything, including his riveting charm and inexplicably exclusive name. Elusive name. Felicia Alden, the religious wife of Clyde Alden, the el- editor of the town's paper and Sookie's boss, however, a appears weary of the stranger's occupation of the mansion and believes the man to be malicious. He is malicious, 100%. Oh, He's yeah. malicious. Look at his uh, face. I know, and the fact that no one can remember his name. After the mysterious man's rude spectacle at Jane's recital where he's snoring in the back and flowers with a card signed an initial D sent to Jane, Sookie and the other townspeople who have first encountered suddenly remember his name, Daryl. It's Daryl. It's the big D, Daryl. Daryl Van Horn, played by the big D himself, Jack Nicholson, which prompts Felicia to express mockery. Mysteriously, Sookie's pearl necklace snaps at the mention of his name, and the beads fall to the floor, causing Felicia to slip and fall down the stairs and break her leg. Alex Alex encounters Daryl on the way to the mansion and is invited to lunch. Repulsed by his loathsome manners and also being fucking Jack Nicholson, (laughs) inappropriate behaviors and abhorrent opinions, Alex berates him and prepares to take her leave. Daryl, however, eventually appeals and emotionally manipulates Alex into succumbing to his seduction. Okay, Daryl, I'll go ahead. I'll have sex with you. Basically. (laughs) Instead of, okay, Johnny, I'll be your wife. This is like the moonstruck. It really is. <laughs> Daryl next pays a visit to the timid Jane, during which she mentions that the Lennox was the site of a witch execution in the past. He then encourages the cellist to perform with more passion, more gusto, <sighs> while accompanying her on the piano. Jane proceeds to play with such vigor that the instrument catches fire. 
and they proceed to fuck on the piano. It's a really fun scene for how gross he is. Right? The following week, Daryl invites all three of the women to the mansion with the intention of courting Sookie. Envy and rivalry among the three result in a magical game of tennis that ends with another rainstorm. Now fully aware of their magical abilities, the women agree to share Daryl and further explore their growing magical powers, such as flight. As the women spend more time in the mansion, Felicia, who has grown more unstable during her recuperation from the leg break, ex- explicitly rants about their liaison with Daryl during a church sermon, making the trio's Eastwick out. Eastwick Outcasts. Mm-hmm. That's a band name. Yeah, there it is. We're here. We're the Eastwick Outcasts. Right on. The witches begin to question their attraction to Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> like, now they question it? I mean, I guess technically they've always questioned like, it. An hour, 20 minutes into this two-hour movie, we're questioning our attraction to bald-ass fucking mm. Jack Nicholson anyway. But he's got a ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> And they even suggest a temporary separation. He, however, manipulates them to relent and unknowingly cast a spell against Felicia by eating cherries. Later that night, while talking to her husband about Daryl being the devil himself and the town supposedly eroding morality, she begins to vomit cherry pits and behave manically. Horrified, Clyde kills her with a fire poker. Again, another accidental... But necessary. He put that bitch out of her misery. Yeah, that was really what it was. In the wake of Felicia's death, the trio, fearing their powers, which caused the earthquake, which caused an earthquake during an intense argument, agree to avoid each other and Daryl until the situation subsides. Upset at being abandoned, Daryl begins to torment them mentally and physically with their fears. Alex and Jane are haunted by vivid visions of snakes and old age. Silky, with her near-fatal pains, and Silky, with her near... This is a lot of eyes. Fucking witches. And Silky, with with her near-fatal pains. Upon discovering themselves pregnant... The witches realize that they must embrace their powers and retaliate against Daryl with witchcraft and thus feign returning affection and reuniting with Daryl, who eagerly welcomes them. Yeah, girls, get that house. Get that money. (laughs) That threesome with Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Gross. One morning, after sending Daryl out for errands, mostly ice cream, the coven collects materials to make a voodoo doll, which they use to drive him away. I'm going to talk about how angry I am that they call it a voodoo doll Mm -hmm. in just a minute. The spell successfully takes effect and Daryl is immediately affected by whatever is inflicted upon the doll, including excruciating pains from needles, puncturing the doll, and powerful gales of blowing wind. It blows his ass all the way around town into the church where he takes cover. Daryl then goes on a tirade about women before vomiting cherry pits at the congregation, just as Felicia did. His women, his women tirade also includes him saying that we need a vaccination for women. <laughs> so that means that the devil is pro-vax. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. 
Enraged, Daryl races back to the Lennox mansion to punish the witches for their betrayal. Unsure if the spell has produced the desired result, the coven cleans up the place just in case. Off chance that shit didn't work. We're gonna clean things up around here. <laughs> As he arrives to the mansion, having been further mangled on the way home from the winches, constant tossing the doll back and forth, uh, they are forced to flee to the pantry and retrieve the doll. In the ensuing chaos, the doll breaks into pieces, results in Daryl abandoning his human form for a monstrous form that attempts to destroy the mansion and subsequently the coven. The witches then toss the pieces into the fire, ultimately vanquishing Daryl in the blast and reducing him to a shrivered, shriveled homunculus, which then vanishes with a fun pop. pop. It was like a caterpillar. It was great. I love it. 18 months later, the women are now living together in the mansion with all of their children and taking care of their new babies. All three are sons. All three have hair color resembling their mothers. And, you know, Fidel decided he, his master was gone. He decided to stick around and help take care of the kids. They are determined not to mention or even think about Daryl when they're together to avoid conjuring him. The boys are playing together when Daryl's spirit appears on a video wall, beckoning them to, quote, give daddy a kiss, yeah. hoping to sway them to his influence. However, Alex, Suki, and Jane appear and shut off the screens, much to his chagrin. As he says, oh, ladies, <laughs> he's so fucking greasy. Ugh. Anyway, why should we give a shit about this movie besides being amazing? Share. That's fucking why. Share, dude. Share Share. number one. Everywhere. Share. Share. It's based on a book by the same name by John Updike, which was released in 1984, just a few years earlier. The Updike? The Updike. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say the only real, like, fun tidbits I have for this movie, besides it telling people it was based on a book because i didn't necessarily remember if i knew that i just didn't remember it but i might not have known that um the film follows most of the basic structure of the novel several major developments are dropped with the book being darker in tone i would love to see this movie remade with a darker tone i think this movie could be really fucking gnarly the setting of both totally dude i know i want to read the book the setting of both is in Rhode Island, but the novel sets the time during the early 70s, and the novel Daryl is more devil-like, less of an enabler, and more selfish. Though I think this Daryl is he hotter because like I would also cast our someone biggest hot. fucking yeah. okay. That's my first note of the fucking movie, dude. Is Jack Nicholson? They said handsome, nice eyes, nice ass. These are not not Jack Nicholson. Ratty, like he's nope. not handsome. He's got ratty eyes, and I don't even ever want to look at his ponytail. ass. He's so greasy. He's none of the. I literally wrote none of those yeah. things. Uh, the Daryl in the book is more of a perverse predator and an architect of mayhem. I mean, All, I get that vibe yeah. from Jack Nicholson for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. He did that well. Also, the film omits a key episode in the book where Daryl unexpectedly marries a young, innocent girl named Jenny. And the jealous three witches magically cause her to die of cancer. Wait, what? You want me to read that again? Please do. <laughs> so... There's a very key element that they dropped in the book, again, because the book was in darker tone. 
There's a moment when Daryl unexpectedly marries a young, innocent girl named Jenny. And the jealous witches magically cause her to die of cancer. Damn. Dark. None of the three witches get pregnant. And at the end, Daryl flees to town with Jenny's younger brother, Chris. Apparently his lover, because he's fucking her brother. (laughs) I want to read the book. Man, the book sounds awesome. Also in the book, Alexandria's last name is Spotford, not Medford. And Jane was Jane Smart, not Jane Spotford. And Sookie was Roguemont, not Ridgemont. There are other little differences here and there. Their hair, their build. Alexandria was plump. Sookie is a redhead. There was some minor things that they changed. But, yeah. I think that's fascinating. 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 All right. Give me the witch corner. What do you give got for me? Give me the witch corner? Um, okay. I'll give you the witch corner, and then I have an educational corner on my own. Little thing, little thingy thing uh, about totems. Anyway, uh, I thought it was interesting he mentioned the three Ds. Death, desertion, and divorce. Death, diversion, and... Uh, diversion. Death, desertion, and divorce. Mm-hmm. Obviously, all of these women encompassed these things, but it was just this really... He had this obviously assholeish way of yeah, he was talking a about women. But I was... I You answered it earlier, like, in talking about the other witch corner... Uh, with the coven of three versus like having the four corners, you know, having a coven of four so that you can call the four corners like in the craft, which we'll be talking you, about. You don't have to have that though. The numbers are, I think there's a lot of things they make it seem like in films that these are things you need to have. Again, solo practitioner, you don't need anybody else. Well, the, you can do it all yourself. the witch in the next movie we'll talk about, she kind of has a better grasp of what. 100%. It's about, but I she is like. a natural born witch versus a learned witch, which we'll also talk about. I was talking about movie. the woman who ran the store, the shop. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Either way. Okay. So the one thing I wanted to talk about was the Venus figurines. Alex yeah. is a sculptress, and they talk, yeah. uh, and they don't really go into it, but obviously, when you think about Venus sculptures, you think, oh, oh women. Right. Those sculptures look exactly like if you went into any mes- metaphysical shop right now and you looked for a sculpture of the mother. Do you want to know why? It looks just like that. So, well, so the Venus figurine is part of mythology, you know, that goes back, dates back to the ancient Roman goddess who is, re- you know, it's really just, you know, you've got love, sex, and fertility. Those are the big three that everybody thinks about. And this Roman, this is a Roman goddess whose functions encompass love, beauty, desire, sex, fertility, prosperity, and victory. It's an ancestor of, she's considered to be an ancestor of Roman people, and that her son Aeneas was, uh, he survived the fall of Troy and fled to Italy, and then therefore Julius Caesar claimed her as an ancestor of his. There's a lot of rich history within that. However, its earliest known representation is of the human female. It's a form that's really kind of comes about in European Paleolithic eras as as Venus figurines. And those figurines, there's a lot of mythos about their attractiveness, right? There's an age, there's age groupings, there's the reproductive status of that figurine. It's positively correlated with what if I took a lot of art history and they really, I'm sure you know about the same thing of the waist to hip ratio. The wider the waist to hip ratio, the more childbearing the the woman is perceived to be i'm from the middle west you don't need to go to art history to hear about childbearing hips well do you want to one of the interesting fact was that so there's women that don't have what as wide of hips right and they're not 
seen usually men maybe in their per- in their periphery let's say they don't foresee them as being as attractive so there was a science experiment that went down where there was a ratio or a percentage that of a waggle essentially of how wide women had to wag in order to draw attention so when women swished their hips back and forth i think it was 70% was what it was to go back and forth from left to right to switch back and forth to kind of per- give the perception of what would be quote unquote acceptable range for childbearing females that were a- attractive. And that's what you'd have to do to do that. So uh, I just thought that was always a really interesting factoid. But so that's why the childbearing, yada, yada, yada. Some of them, some people, Think that they represent women, the pregnant women that are consistent with that fertility symbol. Most are often judged to be non-pregnant, often large-breasted women in mature reproductive years. Which, in my research, I did more. I I've done a ton of studying on this, but I did more research. I always like to redig and freshen it up. But it was interesting because it's at the time the figurines were made within Europe. It was they were in the grip of the ice age. So obesity and survival in the middle age after multiple pregnancies was very, very rare in European upper paleolithic eras. Uh, which, so they, it's often theorized now too that the Venus figurines symbolize the hope for survival and longevity within well-nourished and reproductively successful communities. So it's not just, oh, here's a fertility signal to get you pregnant. <laughs> Here, girl, get them babies and pop them babies out. It's actually more about the survival of a race, survival of people through mm-hmm. women and and women fi- figurines. So Female empowerment, were, sexual right empowerment. And so that draws me to the last little factoid. You were talking about the large-breasted kind of mature female that you see everywhere. So that is the earliest one that, that culture kind of bases those figurines off of is called the Venus of Willendorf. It's the most popular one, it, otherwise known as the Woman of Willendorf or the Nude Woman. It was found in 1908 in Willendorf, Austria, but it's definitely not from there. And so it was. It's about four and three quarter or four and three eighths inches, about 11.1 centimeters, thought to have been around 28,000 to 25,000 BCE. Mm-hmm. But it's highly portable and like transportable, and so both noted in its size as well as the fact that it's made out of an uli- what is it oolitic limestone that's tinted with a red ochre pigment so those things don't come from that area in austria so the fact that it's portable and it's made from a different material means that it's traveling around so that's kind of a little history on the venus figurine because they well, thank you. they talk about that in that's the movie fascinating. she makes those little like figurines obviously to kind of like sculpt her and to sell but then towards the end you notice when the, when she's feeling all sexually charged and stuff she makes a big honking figurine Correct. that she puts in the back room and because he says that he she needs to think bigger yeah think think size now, uh, depending Which is true, on right, she's a sculptress. She's supposed to. He kind of opens all these women up to their again, passions, yeah, through art and music, and writing. Yeah, that's that's why yeah. arts and arts are the mm, arts. Zazz, zazz, um, the zazz. So, bringing back the zazz, are we? <laughs> uh, depending on the witch and depending on her practice, mm-hmm. a lot of altars will have figures of. The sun or the moon or the feminine and masculine. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the feminine figurine will look a lot like that with tiggle bitties. Yeah, a big childbearing hip, hips. Big old 
boobies, big old hips, arms feet, reaching though. up you to the sky. Tiny feet or no feet, and yeah, arms reaching up. And like a lot of times, the arms will go into like a moon shape, mm-hmm. and there's moon incorporation because the moon is feminine energy and represents women and the changing tides and blah blah blah. Is so. the sun masculine? masculine fire, energy. masculine uh-huh. energy. Okay. Yep. Interesting. The antithesis. Yep. Which brings us into the next movie. Yeah, let's get into this next fucking movie. Let's cruise on into 1996. I'm going to say at the top, this is probably one of the movies that made me want to go into witchcraft. Oh, I bet you were not alone. Yeah. Uh, This one and like, but I've always. I texted you. We watched it separately together. I literally have seen this movie so many times and I just have always been interested into witchcraft and I loved the littlest wit or the the worst witch mm-hmm. that's what it was with Dude, tim you curry know what it's what we were talking about I'll pre harry potter give a shit, but, yeah. but yeah no i've always been fascinated with witchcraft and the occult and all that jazz and this which you've movie mentioned was great. before too when we're talking about rosemary's baby oh yeah the occult is separate from witchcraft but witchcraft is a part of the, the occult. occult. Exactly. Yep. Which is why everyone's confused. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Sarah Bailey, a beautiful but troubled teenage girl with unusual abilities, has just moved from San Francisco to Los Angeles with her father and stepmother at a new school. She forms a friendship with a group of girls who are outcasts for various reasons and are rumored to be witches. They bon- bullied her into a friendship. They did. It was really fucked. <laughs> it was like- uh, Bonnie Harper bears burn scars from an auto accident. Nancy Downs lives in a trailer with her mother and abusive stepfather. And Rochelle Zimmerman is a black girl. I feel like her being black is like her problem in this movie. <laughs> That's her handicap. That's her handicap. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, yeah. I'm not wrong. She's no. being bullied by a racist group of popular being, white girls. She's being bullied by Marsha 2.0 from the Brady Bunch. Yeah, movie. that girl was cast so well. Oh right. Yeah. Also, Ben Stiller's baby mama. Mm-hmm. I know, that's I'm not even shitting you, dude. It goes that Brady Bunch down? and then Ben Stiller. Yep, that's like that's how I think of her in my head. <laughs> the girls worship a powerful deity called Manon. Sarah becomes attracted to the popular boy at school, Chris Hooker. <laughs> when Bonnie observes Sarah levitating a pencil in class. She and the other outcast girls are convinced that she can help complete their coven circle as the quote-unquote fourth. Did you get Matilda vibes from that? Yeah, it was. Yeah, a bit, yeah. I did too. Okay. Completing the air, water, earth, fire circle and making them all powerful witches. When Sarah is harassed by a vagrant with a snake whom she encountered before at her new house, he is immediately hit by a car. And the girls believe that their combined will caused the accident to happen. Again, another quote. We make things happen. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you got big for Rosa Bulk eyes just now. I did. You did. You looked like her for a second. Which I, don't, I don't, just don't have big Feruza Bulk mouth. That's and yeah, there's a lot have. of gums in her smile. She has a lot of mouth and, and a lot eyes. of teeth. I only, she's, she's a Ooh. Cheshire cat, Woo. dude. Woo, that girl. She looks like a Cheshire cat. Um, so the girls believe that this incident has strengthened their bond. And it's also revealed that Sarah once attempted suicide. After you even cut the right way. <laughs> I know, right? That was God. funny. After a date with Chris, Sarah is upset that he spread a false rumor that she had sex and she was terrible in bed. Asshole. When Sarah confronts him, he treats her disrespect. 
he treats her disrespectfully in front of his friends. Sarah casts a love spell on him. Sidebar, don't do that. Also, really Sidebar, slap- don't, do, don't that. do that. Also, little Breckenmeyer in this, that he gives, because this is like right around the clueless times, but he's also such a shit also. Yeah. Because he was oh, like, yeah. uh, he doesn't want to talk to you right now. I'd be like, she shoved him in the woods. She's like, you're short. Get the fuck out of my face. I know, right? I do love that guy. Right? <laughs> He's so great. Breckenmeyer's great. He's awesome. Uh, so, Sarah casts this love spell. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Rochelle then casts the revenge spell. Don't do that. <laughs> On the roses. I'm just going to. Here's something. Okay. They're all teenage girls. Okay. <laughs> this is the caveat. This is why, honestly, dude, I didn't really get into witchcraft until I was an adult. I played around with it when I was a kid, but as much I didn't. Your emotions are too you fragile. Don't, and teenage girls should not, unless you're a, a generational, and your mother, and your grandmother, and your great grandmother, and your aunties are all there to help guide you through this journey. Do it when you're an adult. Don't be casting revenge spells if you don't know what you're doing. Don't be casting love spells if you don't know what you're doing. Bonnie casts a spell for beauty, and Nancy casts a spell for power. They literally hit all four nose. <laughs> These are all things you should not do. Wait, if so you don't know what you're doing. Power, that's, revenge, love, and, and beauty. And beauty. The spells are successful. Chris becomes infatuated with Sarah. Bonnie's scars on the back on Bonnie's scars on her back miraculously heal. Rochelle's bully, Laura, begins losing her hair and becoming ugly. Nancy causes her stepfather to have a fatal heart atta- heart attack, enabling her and her mother to Cash in on his fucking life insurance policy Dude, and move into a baller. Because he was like fucking he was a piece of shit. Yeah, gross. He was also a fat drunk, so it was probably coming even without the yeah, spell. Yeah, it was gonna happen. That's yeah. why they're like, it happened with my mind. I'm like again, they upgraded from the trailer to a high rise. Though but that's that the thing cool. though is poor diet and smoking it and alcoholism. You didn't will that to happen. And that anger, anger doesn't help you. The phone and poor diet are not they're not magic. <laughs> now this point turns. Things were fun and happy and fly away free. And (laughs) now Nancy has become power hungry and encourages the other girls to join her in a rite called Invocation of the Spirit. Despite being warned against the spell by L'Oreal, the owner of a local occult shop and practicing witch, upon completion of the spell, Nancy is struck by lightning. The following morning, the other girls see Nancy walking on water with beached sharks and other dead wildlife littering the shore. These are my gifts to you. I know, it's really fucking weird. She plays such a good In the days to follow, Nancy becomes increasingly devoid of empathy and engages in risky behavior that endangers her life and the lives of others. The spell the girls cast eventually lead to negative consequences. As Bonnie becomes aggressively narcissistic, Rochelle finds Laura traumatized by her baldness and sobbing hysterically. And the no empathy there. No, no, no. fucking sympathy and either. The ob- obsessed Chris attempts to rape, and Sarah, after she rejects his continual advances, in supposed retaliation, Nancy uses a glamour spell to make herself look like Sarah and attempts to fool Chris into having sex with her at a party. She is interrupted by the real Sarah, who tells Nancy to leave with her, but it becomes obvious that Nancy's desire to control Chris is mixed with unrequented feelings because she did 
before Sarah was in the picture, Nancy had a boner there was for fucking stuff. Chris. There was yeah, some history there. Upset at being fooled, Chris says Nancy must be jealous. Angering her, she uses her powers to kill Chris by throwing him out a window. Sarah attempts a binding spell to prevent Nancy from doing more harm, but it doesn't work, and the coven turns on her. Sarah seeks out Lorio, but changes her mind and leaves before she can offer help. In a way that only Robin Tooney can. Right? <laughs> they invade her dreams, torment her with visions of swarms of snakes, rats, and insects, and make her believe that her family has died in a plane crash. The rest of the coven try to induce Sarah to commit suicide. As Nancy cuts Sarah's wrists herself, although initially terrified, Sarah successfully invokes the spirit and is able to heal herself and fight back. She scares off Bonnie and Rochelle by showing them glamours in a mirror of Bonnie with her face scarred horrifically and Rochelle losing her hair like Laura. Sarah then defeats Nancy and binds her, preventing her from causing any further harm. Bonnie and Rochelle, finding their powers gone, go to visit Sarah, attempting reconciliation, only to find out that she has zero desire to fucking Dude, talk to them again. Of course again. not. She, she wants nothing to do with them. She yeah. Was, they they really, all of her nightmares and, like, and her like, no, confessions bitch, not to them. Not a that's fucking not joke. Funny. Not that's not funny. funny. They slit her wrist. Not a fucking joke. Not funny. They want to do the ritual again and invoke the powers of Van on because they, they abuse them and they want to say sorry. And they lost their powers. They don't have them anymore. That's what happens. Exactly. They scornfully mutter under their breath that Sarah must have lost her powers too. But then Sarah, because she's a natural born witch, her mother was a witch, her grandmother was a witch. She then makes a lightning strike happen and a tree branch nearly falls on top of both girls. She warns them to be careful and not end up like Nancy, who has been committed to a psychiatric hospital, delusional and stripped of her powers, and strapped to a fucking bed as she desperately insists to the mental health staff that she can fly. I can fly! I can fly! <laughs> Did you like that? That was my best yes, intimidation. That was it was, so it was really good. That because was, I was getting ready to do my impression for you next. That was really good, though. Was that was really fun. good. Give me more Harusa Bulk. I can fly. I just don't have enough clothes on to like to rub all. Yeah, I can fly. <laughs> She's they so can great. Fly. <laughs> well, oh book should. That's why we should give a shit. I was like, why we should give a shit is fucking Feruza. That's literally top of my list. Feruza Balk and uh, Nev Campbell. This whole cast is why we should give a shit. This fucking was Rachel True. Rachel True, all exceptionally cast. This was a really. I actually, I do want to talk to you about the casting of this fucking movie. So yes, we are going to get like in that. So ready. Again, another cult classic movie. This one did have a Wiccan on scent for authenticity, which all is right. why so many of the symbols and rituals and stuff they did Felt try very to be real. <laughs> but to a point, you can't have it be a hundred percent real. Well, otherwise, you, shit will happen. Yeah, you don't want that. So, yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're trying to show what not to do. Yeah. This is really a, a, a cautionary tale, an after school witch's special on what not to do. 100%. I completely agree. No power, no revenge, no love, no beauty, none of that. Um, 
So how do you want to do? You want to do casting first and then questions, or questions? Like oh yeah, let me get this because ca we always talk about casting. Um, Absolutely, I I was so hoping that you would come. Yeah, come back. Uh, Eighty five other actresses screen tested for the four <laughs> main roles. I was like, why is there pause? Why are you pausing? Because I was like, it's a lot. Eighty five. Eighty five, including including Angelina Jolie, Scarlett Johansson, Alicia Silverstone. Scarlett Yeah. Rachel True and Feruza Balk were the first to be cast in their Dude. retrospective roles, but the character and the character of Rochelle was written to be black. It wasn't original. She wasn't originally black. True was cast, incorporating ra uh, racism subplot as ca character's main like conflict, which is great because that was. I think I've heard so many interviews of Rachel True talking about how she wanted to do this. One, there's not ever really often they wrote it for. Her. Of they wrote this character of, for her. Well, of witches of color, but also, too, to tell that story in 1996. Is, 100%. Is pretty potent. Especially, Rock. like, well, think about it, dude. 1996, like, no one was talking about girls going through their high school stuff and dealing with racism. But in 1996, we had the Spice Girls. To a nap. I don't mean that Rachel as a joke. Totally I don't mean B, that as male B vibes though. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't mean that a joke as a joke at all. We do have like a strong sense of female empowerment in the mid late nineties with one black one with crazy with hair. one black one with crazy curly hair. It's a thing. Robin Tooney, man, she was initially cast in the role of Bonnie, but producers decided really? that she would be a much better Sarah. She was then persuaded to accept the role despite preferring Bonnie. Then Nev Campbell, who was known for Pottery of Five, was cast in the role. Tooney had shaved her head for Empire Records. Which Fun is why story. I was okay, but we haven't forever. announced this yet, man. Well, so no, I'm going to announce no, it right now. I was just right wondering now. why her hair always looked so weird. Yes, this is. A, you and I talk about. But hold on, let me let hair. me actually finish it though, because yeah. I didn't actually finish the sentence. No, let yeah. me find out. Let's find out why her hair is weird. So, uh, <laughs> she. Toonie shaved her head for Empire Records, and she was wearing a wig throughout filming, which is why her hair looks so fucking weird. But now, since we brought up Empire Records, I am going to announce that in one week, two weeks, keep an eye out on our Instagram. There's a bonus we, episode. There's a bonus episode where we are going to be watching Airheads and Empire Records. So that's my plug for that for now. Mostly, um, I was just like, I always thought her hair looked weird. It's and so weird. We you and I talk about like if we can find the wig line. Definitely. And this was always, I was just like, is it the, honestly, I was like, is it the 90s or is it a wig? That was my my question. Yeah. Definitely. I think I wrote it down. I think I okay, wrote it down. Okay, questions. Give you. me your questions. That was my first question. Is it the 90s or is it a wig? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, overall, yes. Okay. Um, Before questions, uh, can we just talk about Robin Tooney and her tits forward, arms wide panic run that she does throughout this entire movie? What is the deal? It's like uh her like Tina Belcher run? Yes. Yes. It is a Tina Belcher yes. run. <laughs> yeah, but this is pre-Tina Belcher. This is pre-Tina Belcher. They got it for Tina this from Robin yeah, Tina, Tina, oh my Tina God. Belcher was inspired by this, Was the wig too heavy and that's why she couldn't <laughs> run right? Like it run properly. Okay, so funny. Something, these are the questions I had for you on this. Witchcraft mixing with teen angst, puberty, hormones, and mental health. 
this sounds like a mix for a dangerous combination because I feel like Nancy was predisposed and triggered. Uh, this all triggered a psychotic um, break for her. A hundred percent. Nancy is a sociopath and should never be allowed to practice witchcraft. The other girls are bullies and should probably, if they are want to go on that journey, should be adults when they do well, it. That was the the joke, only one right? who is legit. She was like, they don't think for themselves. And she's like, huh, bitch. It was like, yeah, but you don't though. So, like, um, so. There seemed to be a really big collab between mental health and witchcraft in a lot of these. I called it a collab, but I meant really like a correlated connection. Um, and I've noticed, too, because you were saying that it's nothing that you should really dabble with too much in your teenage years because you're so unstable. You're If you asked 15-year-old me, I would have told you to go fuck yourself. Well, yeah, because you're like, but... I'm an adult. I know what I want. I know my own mind. No, as an adult, girls, my, I girls would say. Girls were getting say... married at 14 back in the dark ages. Absolutely fucking not. That's a journey you should go into as a woman or <laughs> at least a young woman. Be over the age of 18. I feel like there's a certain amount of life experience that if you... Like, if you haven't lived that, it's really hard to understand some of the concepts in witchcraft. A lot of the concepts that we're dealing with is, like, birth and death. And when you're a kid, you don't really, like, know about birth and death. Right. For the most part. And that's kind of what I was wondering is, like, do you, would you suggest, like, do you think that you come into your own more as a witch, like, as you're coming into adulthood? Is that kind of, that's the theme I was kind of gathering was... Your witchcraft can't really come into its own until your brain. I'm not gonna meshes. out this person, but there is a mutual friend that we have, a friend of mine from college, who really didn't go on her witchcraft journey until she was like it. It's been in the last five years, five ten, five six. Within years. having children. After having children, after having both of her children. Interesting. I was at her Catholic baptism. She converted to Catholicism for her husband. Uh, okay. Yeah. Like, you can discover it late in life, but it is a door that can be opened. And once that door is opened. It's open. It is open. That's you cannot close it again. Her downstairs door was open, which is the witchcraft window to the soul. And so she must have opened it up or something. But So that was another thing was jealousy among the coven. This was like, it was kind of, it kind of gets peppered throughout. You can see it and that, you know, cat fights, jealousy with women. That's always brought up. That's all for show in this movie though. If I'm being for them, real, you think? for real, for real, well, dude, most people about, don't practice about, in covens. That's what I'm right. getting at. But you were talking about, um, what is it? Uh, covens are dynamic for movies. No, the, uh, multiple, I'm blanking on a word. We right should now. have watched help. the coven. The, we should have. The one where just like you were talking about, like, uh, not polygamy. Oh, shit. I didn't even talk about polyamory. polyamory thank when you. we were talking about witches yeah, of Eastwick and how they question. fucked all of that up. Yeah. They need to read ethical non-monogamy to fix because all their problems. The, but They were kind of mixing things. They were mixing polygamy with the witchcraft. Because polygamy and witchcraft are also not mutually exclusive. They're not exclusive at all. Precisely. That's like at something all. I wanted to point that, out. That is, you know? that is just very specific to that fucking book in that movie that book and those that ladies. man and those, those horny women. ladies no no, no. it uh, that now i will say there are men who are witches there are men who are into magic and are magicians um which was my next follow-up question that's a good one that leads into it like witchcraft is always talked about within women and female empowerment i was where gonna say the, that's a more of a new that's more of a new neo-pagan sort okay. of thing 
within the late 19th and early early 20th century okay. with popularity of spiritual spiritualism and like seances and talking and the to the dead would and, you say, and the feminist movement uh, later on down yeah, the feminist movement for sure. but for the most part it's been women and right. then it's been always been taught by women but druids weren't extra uh, like i was saying at the top of the show a lot of what we think about for witches comes from like druid druid and celtic cultures and that isn't final tip the druids well that too (laughs) but they aren't exclusively women right but this for at a certain point in time if you just knew a lot about herbs and were an herbalist you were a witch and you were condemned like catholicism really so we're, in, we're Native Americans on, often considered to be witches, essentially, because they were dealing a lot with. Like, they did. Nat, you they know, d- they had a lot of like mysticism that was talked about mis- towards yeah, them. Mysticism, yeah, mysticism, but also to utilizing every part of the animal yeah. and utilizing herbs and the earth and all of yeah, that kind of you know connectivity. Puritan cocksuckers. They're just didn't vilifying like and vilifying and demifying everything that they don't understand, pretty much. But yeah, they were because they were so. Then they were talking about Manon. I know you said you didn't want to get into it, but they like Manon is a man, and they kept talking about. But there, what was it? There was another thing where they were like, why do we always talk about men? Um, but yeah, like they talk about Manon and they were like, oh, he's a man. And I just th- find it interesting that you've got these women going about going on about women empowerment, but they're also like still chasing after a man. <laughs> uh, like, you know what I mean? I get it. But and then my last question really was natural witch. You mentioned the natural witch. And, you know, it's like your mother's mother was a witch. Your mother's was a witch. Your mother's mother's mother was a witch. That whole shebang a bang. And there's a lot of association too with like death during childbirth. Is it, are you made a natural witch or is it like in more of an opening? Cause there's a, you know what I mean? What's the, it's, what's it's the like one of those inherit, it's like one of those inherited things. Like you gotta be, you're born into it. Like the traumatic, it's I not feel like, like maybe, you have a Maybelline. Birth you're not, or something, you have a strong, maybe you're gift. born with it. Maybe you're Maybelline. You're not <laughs> maybe like, you're born with it. Maybe you're witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, it's not like that. Um, if you're a natural witch, like, Natural born witch, you're but any if you have an is it the trauma like traumatic birth? I guess that's for sure. But and I've had a few shamans and uh, high I'm not gonna go into the different sects of high priests that have talked to me, but I've had a number of high spiritual people tell me that I have lived past lives, dude. I believe it, and (laughs) my past lives, uh, at least one, at least one of my past lives was a witch. That was told to me down at the UFO Watchtower in Henderson, Colorado, by a Cherokee shaman who blessed me down there. Again, he was like, I can tell you've lived other lives. And I was like, how did you know? Because because that story in itself sounds like another life. That's why, for sure. Well, bitch, we did it. We did witches. I do want to say I'm going to throw out. This is going to be like quick at every end of episode. Movies that are out right now that are Halloweeny that I love that I'm watching, um, that you should go watch on the like more PG end of things. Mm -hmm. Rob Zombie's the new Munster movie was Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. exceptional. Um, Hocus Pocus two. Or I would say Hocus Pocus two, but go in there knowing it's a 30 year old sequel. Please Mm -hmm. don't be so harsh on it. Um, and the new Hellraiser movie. The Lady I Hellraiser. I really liked Lady Hellraiser. I was into it. I was all about it. it the, all the, the sound, sound, that is the sound bite that lives in my head from now on. Lady I Hellraiser. really liked Lady Hellraiser. <laughs> all the she's sin- the best. <laughs> she's great. She's fabulous. Does she take? Okay, this is gonna sound sexist. Does she take out her needles and just like? 
She does take needles out of her face a lot more often than the original Pinhead did. I feel like did. she uses those. You know she I mean? does use what them a lot. What if Lady Hellraiser gets cold? What She's if Lady Hellraiser needs to She know, needs to seem something. She's going to pin it together. She's efficient is what I She's think it great. is. She's great. All the Cenobites were actually ladies, which I really loved. There was a really hot Asian lady who had her face flayed open and was still really hot. Like, good job, <laughs> girl. Flayed or no flayed. She was sexy. Oh my anyway, God. don't forget to follow us on all the social medias, the Choir Viewing Podcast, and all the things. Uh, Aaron Moline official. Chloe make Griggs makes things. All the things. Dude, check out the friggin' merch. Check out our it's fucking about merch. about to be popping. Yeah, yeah man. It's all, all right, happening. Well, I think we should start Tell doing me. it. Happy viewing and merry movie miss. I love that. Happy viewing. Merry movie miss. Hello. This is required viewing. This podcast was a Yaki Soba Studios production. With a special thanks to our producer, Michael Murray, with graphics and music done by Colin Pearson.